12 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And, uh, of course, we're out. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So we do send through those tweets on uh, at Metro FM SA. Use the hashtag Metro FM Talk. And uh, interesting one, uh, a tweet here coming through from uh, Skondla Kondla on Twitter saying, Hi, Metro. Uh, one thing I want to tell you about uh, the Blue Diamond, uh, that's the Blue Diamond that was founded, Petro Diamonds, uh, is that uh, one senior member of the ANC is going to steal that 517 million rand and you'll remember me and you will tweet me one day. Yes, Gondla Gondla Wazin. Tell us. Tell us what you know, brother. Um, my understanding is that this um, diamond has already been sold to a De Beers-led consortium or a De Beers-led venture. That's my understanding. Um, but uh, I guess, yeah, we know, man. I mean, we know that... Um, uh, if uh, that's how your story is moving, that there are people even within the broader De Beers umbrella who you might say are senior members of the ANC. I mean, I think the group was called Piotona, ne? That was a BE shareholder at De Beers. Um, and uh, I stand to be corrected. Um, yeah, let me say that. I stand to be corrected. But I think uh, it was Cheryl Carolus and uh, Mani De Picho, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, some of the people who are part of... Um, that group that uh, owns, I guess, a stake in De Beers. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that's what you are suggesting here, Skondla Kondla. But um, yeah, let's see. I mean, uh, you know, what you to ANC by Yongindo and now going to steal the 570 million rand. Okay. Uh, yeah, we move on swiftly ahead as uh, we continue to try and make sense of uh, the world around us. And uh, today, uh, we're not going to check in with uh, small business because we can see small businesses battered. And that's what we Babandu. Uh, but what we want to do um, is to uh, continue to try and understand uh, how this will potentially happen. And one of the things we want to do here is to not parrot what you've been watching the whole day, but is to try and understand very specific things about how the situation is unfolding. And one of those um, is this growing realization that there are particular communities, particular propertied communities, so Abandu who own property uh, or who have a basis to defend property that have um, indicated to us that they are armed, that they've armed themselves, and we saw this in KZN we, we saw examples of it in social, on social media, and I can assure you that as these protests maybe in the Gauteng city region move closer uh, to the residential areas of the middle classes in our society, that you might see a similar type of response. Um, and this evening, we want to try and understand this. We want to try and understand, um, of course, the theoretical construct, as I said earlier, is the sense that government has a monopoly on violence. But it's quite clear that there are certain non-state actors in this situation who have significant capacity for violence. And if we were to use very interesting scholar, actually. I might not agree with everything he says, but certainly has a very interesting formulation around this. Uh, Douglas North, a former Nobel Prize winner for economics, and he argues that, you know, in many situations where you have capacity of violence dispersed in many ways outside of the state, you can have potentially very different types of states emerging. You could have a, a mafia state where there's sort of a terse type of arrangement between the state uh, and particular dominant classes in that society uh, who wield considerable amount of violence um, or you could have what some people might say is a traditional democratic state where much of the violence or the capacity for violence rests within credible institutions of the state so the police the army and others 
And I think South Africa is somewhere, yeah, it might think it's there at that end, but it's not. Because if you think about the presence of private security in many neighborhoods in this country, it already indicates that that's a non-state actor that wields a significant capacity for violence. You can take it to the community policing forums in many of these neighborhoods, many of whom carry arms. Um, and you can even then take it to particular organized forms of violence, be it gangs and others, in our communities that also carry arms in ways that don't sit within this neat formulation that the state has a monopoly on violence. So I want to understand this tonight. Um, if these protests escalate in particular types of ways, um, and some people are even suggesting there might be you know, the seeds of a intra-racial war out in Guazulu Natal between people of Indian descent and some of the African communities in that part of the world. Um, what implications does this have uh, for where we are, COVID response, and the stretched capacity, I must say, of our law enforcement as we've seen? Um, and yeah, what, what lessons can we learn from the history that we come from, where we know in the 90s you had oh, this capacity of violence sitting in very different pockets, uh, you know, um, within the African community, within the white right wing, and in many other parts, and of course within the apartheid state machinery as well. So we take a look at that this evening, and uh, Kenneth uh, Lukuko, Senior Project Leader uh, at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation, is my guest. And uh, Budi, welcome to Metro FM Talk, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, uh, Metro. Very great to be with you uh, again, Ayabonga, and uh, to the listeners. Yes. Budi, I mean, I, I was saying my starting point, I guess, in this discussion was that you know, they always teach us at school that the state is the state because it has monopoly over violence. Uh, that, that's yeah. one of the things they say. And yeah. I was just trying to use that, I guess, as an entry point to try and understand this big question mark I have in my head. I've seen people standing alongside pieces of property armed who are not police, who are not armies, who are not, you know, uh, state-sanctioned people who should have that capacity of violence in any way, um, who are saying we're armed and we're willing to defend uh, our society and, and I'm quite interested in from what you've seen whether or not you know Dimdat or Bonalendo or, or you're also seeing the same and what you read into it. Thanks Ayabonga. No, uh, you are what? So, so in our case the sad thing though is that we are a majority uh, poor country uh, so those who don't have that lived experience are mm. the majority. So where you have now, you know, the privatization of these services, mm. uh, you are bound to find that the two sections of the pop of the same population live in very different uh, realities. Mm. Uh, what, what one could call parallel universes, sure, sure. where everything around you is so different uh, uh, to the way it looks mm. to someone else but living I, just a couple of hundred meters. I want us to pause there. And Tlasbuya, I want us to talk about what you've just mentioned, this idea of parallel universes. Um, yes. And I guess how ro the role of violence in some ways, uh, you know, as a demarcation line, but also, I guess, as a mediator uh, of these two parallel universes. 22 minutes it is after 8 p.m. I'm in conversation this evening with uh, Kenneth Lukuko, a senior project leader for the Building an Inclusive Society program uh, and uh, community healing project at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. Uh, but Kenneth, there's something you mentioned that I find so interesting, this idea of a parallel universe. Uh, and I guess, you know, these uh, universes might exist in time, in the same, you know, uh, uh, time horizon, but uh, are distinguished yeah. not only just by space, but also by the looming and latent threat of violence in drawing a distinction between, 
you know, what is the township and what might be the suburb? Yes, Abs- absolutely. Um, you know, uh, they say, and when we say inequality is in, in terms of um, public behavior, mm. so, so, so now when you talk about looting, for an example, for one person, looting really is a matter of life and death. Mm. There are certainly things that they know that they would never have if they have to wait to be able to, to, to buy those things, exactly. right? Whereas for somebody else who can afford those things, Looting is a, is a completely different uh, kind of kind of behavior. They can't mm. even think of it. Mm. So, so, so you, you, we basically now have to also accept the fact that we are living in very, very different mm. uh, realities, sure. and we can't force people. You you can't simply say to people stop looting, or or, or you look know, you are thugs. Some of, some of them might not even care about that, mm. right? So so the value system are very different. So what is going to make the change if we find leaders who appreciate that fact, number mm. one, and, and, and communicate with people in a way that acknowledges that uh, uh, th- those lived realities don't label people. Um, uh, you know, I understand that, you know, some of the looting in, you know, of the past couple of days, some of it actually happened not long after the president had addressed the nation mm, mm. Uh, suggesting that some of the people doing that are either not listening or are deliberately uh, going against something that they know um yeah. you know but, but um, Kenneth, don't you, know, you think is by, by, by the leader don't, don't you think this issue of a value system because i think you know reasonable around this issue of value system don't you think that you know in many ways a value system is materially influenced, if not materially defined, right? I mean, if, if the yeah. basis of your entire society from a material perspective in level yeah. four of the lockdown is one where yeah. you have a very generalized immediate crisis, be it for food or even some of the things that people need just to survive day to day. And you now then have an opening. I mean, somebody was just saying now on Twitter, if there's a looting operation, you don't need to mobilize people. There's a yeah. certain understanding <laughs> Uh, that there is, you know, um, how do I put this? Um, any institution that has a crisis of legitimacy. So if you yes, think about it, Pierre right. Halls during apartheid, right. if you think about right. certain stores during, uh, you know, that would have been identified for this type of action, it was yes. about around a crisis of legitimacy. Now, yes, I right. find that quite difficult in this ca- case because, you know, the mall might be the same place where you go and collect your grant. And so yeah. what it suggests to me is that the crisis of legitimacy is primarily around one where people are saying, even when there is order, when there is not yeah. chaos, we have mm-hmm. no interest in that type of society. We have no skin in that type of society, nor do we have any uh, you know, stake or claim to the benefits of that order. Because when it's orderly, slumbing. Yeah. So rather, yeah. make it chaos. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure how much that influences how that forms into a value system. Because I do think... Yeah. Surely there must be some material basis towards that value system. I mean, I don't think about Bafugek saying Atum Difunio Kregas. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, we, we, we all in some ways are loyal to the broader social kind of like uh, what you call a social contract, right? Mm. Where mm. all of us know that to be a South African, there are certain things that we want to, to be able to, to, to do and, and, and abide by and all of this. But depending on where you are on the socioeconomic ladder, that itself can get challenged. 
when someone is really hungry or, or basically, uh, uh, you know, does not have the avenues to access what the majority accesses. Mm. You know, we, 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 we sometimes use the phrase relative deprivation. You, you, you can have all of us poor, uh, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the hostility between different identity groups, you know, is, is not as bad as when you actually have a lot of inequ- I mean, inequality. Yeah. So it's a relative thing. Mm. see others. Mm, you mm. know, so 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 that in itself now exacerbates the situation because it tells you or it it communicates to you that this reality that you are also loyal to or this social contract that you you know you are also you know um, paying allegiance to in a way is actually robbing you as compared to others in the same space. Mm. So why should you then respect it? If you don't get out of it, what others are getting out of it? Uh, so, 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 so that that is part of what informs what is happening now in our society. Um, the economy that we're all saying look needs to be protected, uh, you know, the rent and everything else. To some people, to those who to whom that economy does not really bring its benefits to, then it's not an economy that needs protecting to them. So, 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 I mean, obviously, these are all, you know, generalizations uh, in, in some ways, but these are all factors that uh, come into play when it comes to people deciding whether to, to join a looting, a looting uh, you know, uh, campaign or how long to stay in it. Um, I mean, a lot of people across the country in other provinces are not looting right now at the sure, same time. Sure, sure. And that's not to say Abalambaanga. Yes, it mm. doesn't mean that they are not, they are not, they are not, they are not hand rabalamba hanga, mm. right? Um, uh, but there is something that is stopping them from that. Sure. And, and that in itself has other factors at play because it's about how the media has, uh, has uh, interpreted what's happening. There's been a kind of a labeling of some sort. Uh, at one point where we said, look, this is ethnic mobilization. Then it was about the factions in the ANC. Mm. And then it was about, you know, uh, provincing, I mean, sorry, uh, KZN and Gauteng. And, and so, and, and, and with time, analysts and people from government have really communicated, communicated the message that this is actually harming our own daily survival, especially mm. in townships where people are now saying these things are actually hurting, you know, black uh, uh, business people in, town, in the township economy, for example. So, so all of those things come into play. So in a kind of different situation where you actually have people of the same kind of demographic, but now they are influenced by the communication from the media, they're in a different kind of provincial space, uh, and, you know, um, they view the whole exercise of the looting and, of course, taking or damaging property of others uh, through the prism of how what has been communicated uh, to them uh, through the media. Then you get a, a slightly different behavior. Mm. So, so, so those factors are all things that should say to us, this is an extremely complex uh, situation that we are finding ourselves in. But the danger is that our political leaders because they are expected to give quick answers perhaps sometimes, because sometimes also they have to uh, 
look after their immediate uh, party political interests. Uh, they are not completely neutral when it comes to to um, making sense of the situation. Mm. So, so, so the whole thing of labeling people uh, has been a, a, a high, a hugely problematic one uh, for myself and, and many other people. I mean, I, I, I remember even earlier today, you know, with colleagues at the institute who were talking about about this issue of um, labeling people because once you label people, you you actually dehumanize them. You, 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 you make those who are looking at these people view them to be a little less human mm. than they did before they were labeled. Sure. So in places like Rwanda, Burundi, where you've actually had genocide, the genocide is always coupled with labeling. Mm. When people uh, uh, do, do harm, bodily harm to others, and... Uh, 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 they are they, they are calling them you know uh, what I mean uh, the, the whole story of people being called cockroaches sure. for example in uh, in in Rwanda, Rwanda yeah. was a huge uh, uh, you know kind of um, you know mobilization factor in that genocide because you 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 you, you disconnect from the humanity of having to feel sympathy for the next person so then why, that is why we say in peace building. Part of what we do after a conflict situation mm. is to rehumanize people, sure. to, to, to make them remember their common humanity. And the fact that a person can be poor, can be called a thug, mm. can, be re- can be black, can be white, can be from uh, Centurion, can be from Polar Park, but there is something where if they listen to one another, through storytelling, mm. through making sense of their li- common reality, but listening to, to, to each other, that they start now sure. to, to, to reconnect with their common humanity. That is what makes it difficult for people to do harm to one another. Mm. But the moment you label, you encourage a situation where people are not going to feel humanity sure. for the next person sure. because sure. now they are viewing them as something rather than Another per- another person. Yeah. It's not a person. It's a thug. Mm. It's not a person. It's a Zulu. It's not a person. It's um, you know, it's, it's a rich person from yeah. you know yeah. the suburbs. Sure. So so, M- so maybe just on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Be very careful about it. Indeed, and, and I think you make such a brilliant point there, Brakenet, because how you characterize it also in many ways influences or typifies the type of response uh, exactly. that you then provide, because you know it could be a welfare response or a militarist response. And the outcomes of both are very, very different in a volatile situation like this one. But talk to me about about how, as always, there would be some embedded class conflict that moves beneath this. I mean, somebody was saying, in KZN, it might be a, a, a racial war. Uh, and if yes. people cross from Alex to Santin, it might be a racial war. And one of the things I was you know, saying was it probably might not be because uh, you might see a gun-toting property owner who is African uh, I guess, uh, potentially shooting some of the other Africans that are coming through from Alexandra in defense of property. So there's also, I guess, the pervasive role of who has property and who is accorded humanity, dignity, and citizenship on the basis yes. of the fact that they have property and who is excluded from that. Yes, yeah, that's an, another very interesting one. You see, the first thing to say there is that, yes, you can have class conflict or class identity and class hostilities, but class as a as 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 an identity as a form of identity is not 
one-dimensional. Sure. Identity sure. is a multi-dimensional kind of concept. So a person can be rich, but that's not the only thing that they yes, are. Yes. They can be a particular generation once they are rich. They can be young or old once they are rich. Mm. They can be a man or a woman once they are rich. They can be black or white or Indian or, or whatever once they are rich. So, so what is interesting to us is that when all of these dimensions of identity um, can be said to be, uh, you know, in, in, in may, yeah, let's, let's say if, if, if a person, for an example, you've got a, a young person, uh, say black, speaking closer, girl, you, 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 you comes across an older person, white, speaks Africans, doesn't understand Kosa, um, you know, rich. All of those uh, different dimensions are in conflict with one another. So you've got a much higher uh, uh, likelihood that those people are, are not easily going to understand one another, or at least even in the, in the sense of even communicating uh, through language. Mm. Whereas once you've got, you know, uh, uh, certain dimensions of identity that are actually shared by people, I mean, uh, between two people. So you can have a, a black person and, a, a, you know, who's rich and a black person who's poor from coming, one coming from Samson, another coming from, a, you know, a, mm. even from an informal settlement. Before that person does anything to the next, the fact that they share one, you know, uh, dimension of identity. Sure. Does actually uh, uh, factor, you know, gets get factored in before the person either acts because they know that they can easily, I mean, they, they can be understood by the next person because at least they share a language. Mm. So, so now, when you talk of class conflict in our in our situation, uh, we we know about the whole stereotypical, you know, you know, context of 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 of, of KZN and, uh, and the hostility that has been always been there, or at least communicated in such a way between, uh, you know, black Africans and, and, and uh, people from the Indian community. Uh, maybe part of what influences the person is also the history of, of the, their relations and, 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 and their stereotypes in, in, in that context. So, so in that situation, you might find that the reaction of someone from a suburb uh, with a rifle, a private citizen, uh, looking at, 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 you know, another South African, but that South African does not speak the same language, mm. completely different gender, completely different generation. Their world outlook is completely different as well. That, that needs to be factored in when you, you, you're trying to predict then uh, or make sense of propensity to use violence against the other person. Um, as, and you, you just said earlier now, you know, uh, you know a black African person who's rich carrying a firearm, you know, might actually think twice before, in mm. a, in act, before acting in yeah. a similar fashion to another rich person, but who does not share sure, any sure. form of identity with, with that other person. Yeah. So in our media, our politicians, in our civil society, these are all things we need to consider when we, 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 we tell the story of what is happening. So that we don't exacerbate the situation by, um, you know, encouraging, um, you know, labeling and using language that is is very, uh, you know, uh, insightful uh, without even realizing it. So, so I would say, just like we did 
perhaps in the 80s, you know, when we were, you know, inching closer to, to the, you know, the, 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 the political, you know, negotiated uh, solution. Mm. The civil society needs to come, in, come into the space and sensitize sure. our society about these facts that I'm mentioning now. Okay. Uh, 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 the, 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 the faith community needs to come in because mm. the faith community, you know, uh, people trust uh, people from, from the faith community. You know, at IJR in the Institute, we've, we've had what we call the reconciliation barometer, yeah. where we, we look at how, how much trust people have for different, um, you, know, um, you know, sources of power sure, or agents. Sure agencies in society, you know, politicians, the media, mm. religious leaders, and the like. And when have, we met, yeah. We're going to have yes. to pause there, unfortunately. We're going to have to leave it there. But I think the point is well yeah. made, that we need a multi-sectoral response here. And I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Absolutely. Thank you Thanks very so much, much uh, Ivan. Yeah. And uh, as I continue to say, um, we can't play Mabandu. We can't blame them. But we must be able to blame and isolate a very cynical, a very gluttonous, and a very subversive element. I would even border on saying it's treasonous. Because I treatment plan diamonds. And we, we don't say that that is treasonous. So I, I, I certainly understand, I guess, you know, people who would suggest, yeah, well, you know, um, people are, and you can see it. I mean, people are, are running with basic.